Are you ready for God to speak more? I really believe that what Pastor Colin brought into the middle of this series that I'm doing on honour and integrity <laughs> was significant, apostolic, strategic, releasing and empowering us. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to scrape into heaven. I want there to be a long line of people that I've affected who have gone further than me, who are seeing God's grace in their lives. And if I never become rich, and I never uh, uh, see any other personal miracles, that's okay. Because I don't live for myself. I live for Christ. I live to make Jesus the focus of everything we do. I want people to meet me and encounter Jesus. I exist so people encounter Jesus. That's the point, isn't it? So when we talk about honor and integrity, and I just want to pick up from two weeks ago, uh, what God was doing there, I just want to pick up from that. And uh, just this morning as we go further, I want to release new faith. I want to really spark it in my own heart. So I want you to know I'm preaching to myself as much to anybody else, okay? So you, are you ready for, for what God's going to do this morning? Yeah, come on. Come on. Because in Pastor Colin, in his sermon, he really picked up on some of the things I'd spoken the previous week. You see, I, what we said, honor, that's the quality of being honorable. Okay, that kind of sounds easy, doesn't it? It means having a good name or reputation. It means virtue and chastity. Two kind of old-fashioned words, that really. Uh, so you might have to look them up in the dictionary. Uh, virtue means uh, excellent qualities. Uh, and chastity means the ability to uh, hold yourself or stay pure or hold off for the right things, okay? Uh, rather than just grabbing the first thing that comes along. Honour also is an award for bravery. Okay, I think sometimes when the gods wants to, uh, to give us that crown, it's not just any old thing. It's a, it's a crown, it's a medal of bravery, of, of sticking out the course, of actually pressing in on the things that God said and not giving up the course. Mm. And it's to show respect for. And uh, you know, we talked about showing respect for the Lord. I'm not going to go into the sermon too much. Then integrity... Integrity is moral soundness. In other words, uh, that actually the things that God says are his ways, are our ways. That's what it really means. To the, the moral, you, you are, you're of a, there's something sound, uh, honest, united, whole, undivided, and unbroken. Wow, those are good words, aren't they? totality with nothing missing. It's interesting, integrity and peace. So much linked together, aren't they? Because that's what peace means. Shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Wholeness. So, uh, so God's really been spoke to us about uh, honoring him by putting him first, didn't he? That's what uh, we had a couple of weeks ago. And about seeing him when people minister and obeying and following his leading. Mm. So, uh, 
Pastor Colin, when he talks about this highway of holiness, he talks about this narrow way. If you remember, he put the table down and made it awkward to get in onto the stage. And then he talked about this, uh, this walk that we have uh, during our lifetime till we get to eternity. And really uh, putting before us uh, the clarity of the difference between walking the way of holiness and then the cul-de-sacs that take us off to the side. And uh, one of the things that he said to, said to Claire and myself afterwards, he said, I didn't get around to saying, but you have to put a no entry sign up yourself at the entranceway to each of the cul-de-sacs. It's not the Lord that puts the no entry sign there. It's you that puts the no entry sign. Hmm. I just thought, yeah, I've got to say that. I've got to bring that out uh, so that we can allow uh, God to keep on working in our hearts. That it's our responsibility to put a sign up that says, Alan, don't judge. Alan, take no offense. Alan, be merciful. Because... I don't want to go down those. I want to put that filter over my mind, okay? And so as we're looking at this uh, honor integrity, uh, it says in 1 Samuel 2, verse 30, it says, to those that honor me, I will honor. But those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed or if you look at the NIV it says they will be disdained esteem is uh, about reputation you esteem someone you hold them in a high regard in your thinking if you disdain them or you think uh, lightly esteem them then what you're saying is you don't actually give much thought to them and you don't give much thought to whether they are a worthy person or an honorable person you disdain them actually means to go even further just not not just lightly esteem but you actually think pretty badly of them you think they're worthless and that's what the enemy, Beelzebub, uh, the word means the lord of the flies or lord of the unworthy ones, the worthless ones. So everything about the devil is worthless and, un, and unusable. There isn't anything he produces in our lives of following him in any format that will ever produce something of worth. Every concept he has is useless whereas everything God works with us is useful God raises us to a place of honor and imparts glory and reputation to us whereas the enemy takes from us he steals he kills and then he destroys to make sure that any concept of name or reputation has gone as well as you've gone. That's the way the, the difference between them. God enables us to do amazing things. And as we give him the glory, he glorifies us and he makes us look amazing. Whereas everything the enemy does is the opposite, just take away from us to make sure that our name and our reputation and even the memory of what we did is worthless and useless because that's what he is. 
So we don't want to be playing his game, do we? In Ephesians 5, it says, find out, find out what pleases the Lord. I think that's good, don't you? God wants us to know what pleases him. God wants us to understand what pleases him. And uh, I wrote some things down last week, uh, ready to preach them. So, uh, so find out what pleases the Lord. So imitate as dearly loved and do what? Live a life of love. And then it goes on and it says, now you are light, live as children as light. Now you are light, expose the deeds of darkness. Now you are light, be very careful how you live. Now you are light, understand what his will is. Now you are light, always give thanks. Now you are light, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wow, these are some good things. When you just read what it says, this is, this is us imitating Christ. This is what it means to live a life of light or live a life of honor. To live a life of honor means you live in the light in such a way that everyone sees everything that you're doing and that everyone in seeing that thinks well of you because actually they see Christ. Isn't that exciting? Isn't it exciting to think you are on display? I'm stood in the spotlight. The glare of the spotlights are on me that you can truly see me. It's very obvious where I am and what I'm doing and what I'm saying. My sound's carrying because the, the sound system's working. The lights are on so you can see me easily. And that's what the Lord is doing. He is shining his light on us so that people see us and see Christ in us. So the, this is uh, quite exciting, really. Because if you look at Romans 2, it says in Romans 2 verse 6, if you just turn that up to Romans 2 verse 6, because I just want to pick out some things from Romans 2. But I'm going to start around uh, verse 6. Interesting, it starts with about, uh, you therefore have no excuse uh, who pass judgment on others. But uh, that was last week's sermon. Okay, but what does it say? Verse 6, God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who persist in doing good, seek glory, seek honor, seek immortality, he will give eternal life. Isn't that exciting? So this series that we're talking about, honor and integrity, God's saying if you seek these things, you are going to receive or you're going to find that God has imparted to you eternal life. It's going to work. Something's going to work. You're not just going to seek honor. You're not just going to seek glory uh, as if it's kind of the end. What it's going to produce in you is going to produce life. And what it's going to produce in me is life. Isn't that exciting? Because as we understand this, it says, it says some other things. So let's, let's just read on a little bit farther. It says, but those who are self-seeking can expect a whole pile of other stuff. So I'm not going to focus on that. 
Okay? I want to focus on what happens to those who keep chasing after God. And it says in verse 10, those who are self-seeking get a pile of rubbish, but those who do good, it says in verse 10, glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. Wow! That's what we want, isn't it? Glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, because God does not show favoritism. Isn't that exciting? Do you know there's no difference between you and me? God is wanting to do good to you as it is to me. So if there's any miracle you ever see in my life, you know you have it too. And do you know what? That means if there's any miracle happening in you, come on. I'm going to receive. You, this is what excites me so much. When you give testimony of promotions, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I thank you for promotion. I thank you for spiritually promotion. I thank you for promoting me before people. I thank you that you, if you can give favor to the church, you can give favor to me, the pastor of the church. If you can see miracles in your finances, so I can see miracles in mine. It's not just one way. Okay, all right. It is not those, verse 13, who hear the law, who are righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law, who will be declared righteous. You know, God's declaring you righteous, that you're in right standing before God. It's you are in right standing. God is declaring over you. This is what it means, honor. It means that someone is speaking about you in a way that builds you up in people's sight. Wow. That's what God is doing about you. Jesus is standing, interceding in heaven and going, Father, can you see they're obeying? Father, can you see they're following? Father, can you see they're doing miracles? Jesus is not just interceding for your sins, but he is standing as your advocate, your promoter before the Father of every good act, every righteous deed, every faith step you make. Wow. Okay, all right. All right, I'm I'm just going to read on. It it says in verse 13, uh, it's not those who who, uh, hear the law, but those who obey. Okay. But verse 15, it says, since they show the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Oh, that's the promise of God that we would have his laws written on our hearts. The law of love. He's put something on our hearts. We're showing these things. We're showing integrity. When you hold a diamond up to the light, you don't want to see a crack running through the very center of it. The jeweler, in preparing that diamond, cuts it in a way that every floor is removed and what is good and amazing is on display. Your precious stones built together for as a temple that displays his glory and splendor. You and me. So there's something of honor because that law is written on our hearts. Their consciences also bearing witnesses, being bearing witness. Their thoughts uh, defending them. Isn't that interesting? 
instead of a guilty conscience, we have a mind that's washed by Christ, and we now have a conscience that actually tells us, you're righteous, you have peace with God, you have a place with the saints. Your mind is not condemning you, working against you to destroy you. But life has happened. That's why you need to come to right thinking. DNA course. It's exciting. But if you go to verse 23, it says, uh, You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? Oh, so this walk issue. There are those that are claiming, I follow the law, I'm doing this. But they dishonor the Lord. They dishonor the Lord. They dishonor the Lord. You see, this honor and integrity that we're speaking about this course is about us honoring the Lord by how we live and how we walk. Because it says in verse 28, a man is not a Christian if he is only one outwardly. Ooh. It says Jew, but actually, let's just follower of Christ, someone who believes. See, the Jews were the people of God. So Jew and Gentile, we've been, we've been grafted in. We're not replaced. Don't ever think of that. He's never going to get rid of the Jews. They're, those promises are for them and for us who weren't Jews. Grafted in to the faith vine, the true vine that's Christ. So you see, when we read about this, what we find is that these men of the Bible, integrity, David, in Psalm 78, verse, uh, 78 verse uh, uh, 72, it says, He shepherded the people with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. So integrity of heart and skillful hands must go together to shepherd God's people his way. So that's, I pray for that, for myself. But you need to pray this for yourself because you are part of the shepherding of people in this city. Where you are, you are the shepherd God's called for those people. They're not looking for another shepherd. They're not following me, they're following you. Isn't that exciting? There are people watching your life because you're on display. That you are their shepherd. So as you shepherd them with integrity, it says in Solomon, uh, in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 17, it said, God tests the heart and is pleased with integrity. And it says, that's what, it says, that's what Solomon's saying to the Lord, you're pleased with integrity because I have willingly and freely given all these things to you. So the way he gave to the Lord was with such abandonment and such generosity of heart and such uh, complete openness that the Lord was excited about him. Because what we read is, when Solomon dedicated the temple, God filled the place and blitzed everybody in there. Isn't that, isn't that encouraging? Yeah. Do you know, God loves to fill your life when you do things of complete abandonment. Our worship times, you determine how you receive. And you're, it can be awful, not that we have an awful team, but it could be awful, and you would still receive because you're giving so much over to God that the worship from the front isn't what actually affects you. It is what happens because you've engaged with God. He loves to give. Now, the worship team help us. 
we don't denigrate. We don't think lightly of them. We think they're amazing. But if you think they are going to get you into heaven, you're in trouble. <laughs> because either you are seated in heavenly places, or you're not. The worship team will never get you into heavenly places. They will help you express songs in heavenly places. Come on. We, we have a... This is what Peter, in writing about Paul, he said in, in 2 Peter 3, he says uh, to the people in verse 1, he says, uh, before he talks about Paul, he says, I've written some things to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. In verse 2 it says that you will recall the words spoken. And then it says in 15, because Paul writes a pile of words that people who have no understanding, no walk with God, twist and distort. But you're not like that. Isn't that exciting? You are not those who twist and distort the words that Paul, Peter, Jesus and others, or me, speak. You're taking the words and you're seeing what to do with them through God. And you're bringing honour to God by the way you're going for it. And this, uh, this is the thing what uh, Jesus, he quoted Isaiah. So in Matthew uh, 15, verse 3, he quotes Isaiah uh, 29, verse 13. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. But we're not like that, are we? Are we those who are engaging with God? encountering God honoring God because if we are then we honor God with our hearts not just our lips there's something so how does that work I just want to take us to James James 5 this is one of the ways that honor and integrity gets worked out in our lives. James 5, verse 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear by heaven or by earth or anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Wow. This is how we honor God. What you say, you do. What you say, you see it through to the end. You're not yes one moment, no another. If you say you will do it, you do it. If you say, I will not, you don't do it. There are some things you need to say no to, and there are other things you need to say yes to. We embrace the things of God, and we resist the things of the enemy, don't we? You don't just say yes. Your no needs to be no. I will not live in bitterness. I will not hold on to unforgiveness. I will forgive even if it hurts, 
Even if it means I've got to go without, I will be a forgiver of debts. And I will look to the Lord to meet my needs, not grab the last penny from a dying business. Wow. See, this is the challenge. This is the reality for us as a church and for us as individuals. Okay? In this whole year of really needing major financial breakthrough, we've moved the actual offering into the worship with no sermon and preaching about it because I needed to know that I wasn't manipulating to get extra money for the church. It, one, it is part of our worship, but two, I, 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 I so needed the money, <laughs> I didn't dare almost preach about it. It was almost, I could not let my own heart uh, deal with it. And, and you know, I, I preached a sermon series about finances and I almost cringing inside as the Lord, am I doing this right? Because I know, don't want my sermons to be directive manipulation. It has to be the Lord that touches hearts. So the good news is we're moving to a greater place of freedom. We'll have some accounts out in the next couple of weeks, and you can all see what's happening. Um, but you see, this is what it says. In Matthew 12, it says, in verse 33, make a tree good, and it will be good. It will bear good fruit. What are we producing? The fruit of manipulation or the fruit of faith? Faith doesn't look at you for the needs. Faith looks to the Lord for the needs. Yes, there's realities of the church expenses, but it's not what I'm trying to preach about here. I'm talking about integrity and honor. Because what does it say? It says, on the day of judgment, this is this Matthew passage talking about make the tree good. On the day of judgment, you'll be called to give account for every word you speak. Wow. So the man of integrity is a man whose words will be tested and proved genuine. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. That actually the, the way we go about it, what was said in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. There are things that I said about the situation that I've had to repent because one, I shouldn't have said it, and two, it got out that I said it. Hey, I've just been real here. So I've had to deal with those, correct those, because usually they get twisted and distorted on the way out. I should have stayed quiet. My own frustrations, you see, this is what, this is what Moses did. When Moses lost his opportunity to go into the promised land, he got angry with other people. And in doing so, we, what we read, uh, and this is, uh, um, I wrote it down, uh, Numbers 20 verse uh, 12. God told him the very first time he said, strike the rock with your staff, which is the symbol of his authority. It was a symbol of God's power. Strike the rock, water will come out. But the second time, God said to him, speak to the rock. 
And when Moses was so angry, he used his authority to break things open rather than the word the Lord gave him to bring it. He used his authority and power rather than let the Lord reveal his authority and power. And you see, this is often the challenge. It's not whether the thing you do is wrong, but does it demonstrate your power and authority or does it demonstrate God's power and authority? God honored Moses and he broke the, the water open and all the people got uh, to drink, but it cost Moses big. And I don't want to be a leader I don't want this church to suffer from my failures as a leader. I want this church to go beyond me, to not just last beyond me, but to go beyond my abilities as a leader. Yeah. And I want, you know, as a father, that's the same. I want my kids to go beyond my abilities. I want the C, integrity. So just flip to Proverbs 10. You're going to need uh, Proverbs now, so you just keep your Bibles open, and you're going to scroll down the next few chapters, because I'm going to pull out verses. I'm going to pull out verses. You see, it says the word of God, it judges the very thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We think we're right, and God shows us whether we are. Sometimes it's right. He judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. But listen to what it says. Verse, uh, Proverbs 10 and uh, verse 9. It says, the man of integrity walks securely. Hmm. But he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. So just put your hands on your mouth and declare this is a source of life. My mouth brings life because I've stored life in my heart. And in the, out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth speaks. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yeah. The lips of the righteous, verse 21, it says they nourish many. So you see, the man of integrity, the man of honor, who honors the Lord and therefore is honored, brings forth from his words things that nourish others. In verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 3, the integrity of the upright guides them. See, before I even got to the sermon last week, there was something working on my heart. A word got spoken the previous day. I'd responded to it. I knew that was God. I needed to do something. The integrity of the righteous guides them. It directs them in the decisions. So we brought that decision before the leadership and before the service started last week, a decision had been made, and I believe that enabled God to do, uh, to give us some strong meat. If you haven't heard last week's sermon, you need to. It's, it's, it's one of those, Pastor Collins' word uh, is crucial. In verse 6, it says, the righteousness of the upright delivers them. Underline some of these, if you haven't got them already underlined. It's, I'll tell you what, can I just say, the, these uh, iPads, iPhones are useless. 
if you're bringing your iPad and, I, and phone to church as your only way of uh, doing it, although it's useful technology, you will actually limit your ability to retain and remember the Word of God because you need to underline these things. You need to be able to find them in seconds because God wants you to reread it multiple times and it's harder to do it. What, you can't make notes beside it. My Bible has all kinds of notes and colors and bits and pieces in it and about every three years I throw it to the side and get a new one because I need fresh revelation. I don't want to get stuck in last year's revelation or two years ago's revelation. I like what I wrote in there. It was really important, but I would fill up a Bible in seconds if I rewrote every time, every old revelation I had. I need new. I need to see the word and not my notes. And the problem with an old Bible is you read the notes before you read the word. Okay? I like what they say, you know, the sign of a battered Bible is a sign of a good life. It's true, but I tell you what, the sign of a brand new Bible shows you're ready for something fresh. Anyway. Verse 10. The righteous prosper and the city rejoices. We like that one. And that leads on to what we're doing when we, uh, verse 11, when the righteous give the city their blessing, it becomes great. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 14. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things. So if you're not speaking good things, if you're not speaking forgiveness, if you're not speaking grace to people, you're not going to receive those things either. It's from the lips, the complaints, the moans, the groans, that we stay where we are rather than breaking into new ground and territory. From the overflow of our hearts, the mouth needs to speak good things. That's why I have a good wife beside me, because she gives me a nudge and says, shut up, Alan, you're moaning. Tell me five things you're thankful for. You've all heard a Claire say that, haven't you? Okay, why do you think so? Because I am so annoying at times. No, come on. We know ourselves. And if you don't get honest about yourself and about your own character traits, you will live in weakness. If you are aware of yourself, and anger and moaning are the two things I'm, I have to watch, and pride, and, and bitterness, and, and all right, forget it. You know what I mean? There are things that you have a tendency to. So the northern thing is to be blunt with our words and to not think about what we're saying. Yeah? The southerners never say anything straight. But that's a different matter. We don't judge them, do we? <laughs> because that's seven sins. That, sorry, that's last week's sermon. All right. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with many good things. But Proverbs 13, verse 3 says, He who guards his life, sorry, who guards his lips, guards his life. Whoa. This mouth 
speaks death or life? Whose responsibility is it? Mine. Mine, 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 mine. Funny Nemo is the, uh, they're all going after this one fish. Mine, 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 mine. The trouble is, while they're saying that, they miss the point that the fish is escaping, the treasure's escaping. What is the Lord going to do? He's going to reveal something to us about our mouths, about the things we're speaking, because honor and integrity are about, are about what people say about us and what we say about others and what we say about the Lord. And what this is... This is incredible powerful because if you look onto verse 6, the righteousness guards the man of integrity. So my integrity guards me. Your integrity, what have you pre-decided is a no-go zone and where are you going to take the next step? Because the path of the righteous is going forward into ever-increasing light. There are decisions that Claire and I have made about our life, our lifestyle, what we're going to do that have determined the fact that we are here today and not stuck in some other cul-de-sac. There are many who want to serve God but never say yes when he puts the challenge in front of them. And if they say yes, they never go, how? And if they ever go, how? They never say, when? So they run ahead of God. They do it his, their ways rather than his ways. When he wants to show us how to be in step, how to be led, how to be governed by him. And that's part of integrity. But what does it say in Proverbs 6? It says in verse 2, if you've been trapped by what you have said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, then go and get yourself free. You know, there's, there's people in the Bible, and you read about this, there was one guy, he did mega miracles for God, and he said, the first thing I see when I comes out of my house, Lord, I will sacrifice to you. First thing that came out was his daughter. And he sacrificed his daughter. Do you think God wanted that sacrifice? He was snared, and instead of repenting, Lord, you don't want burnt offerings of our children. That's Molech, the false god. Please forgive me. I need to make amends. I need to redeem my child, which was already a provision in the law. It already there was a provision in the law for that. He did not need to sacrifice his child. This is the stupidity of pride that we then, because we've said it, we've got to do it, instead of recognizing that some things we say we jolly well should not be doing, and we need to repent, get before God, make amends, sort it out, bring restitution so that we can bring freedom and liberty. His pride cost him his daughter. John the Baptist lost his head because Herod made a promise and because he was in front of a bunch of friends, he couldn't feel that he could stop it. He did not want to kill John the Baptist, 
but he would rather not lose faith and kill God's prophet than sacrifice what people thought of him to protect what God's what was owned by God I want to be someone I will lose my life for the sake of God's stuff and I will give up my reputation to correct things that's a man of integrity a woman of integrity who matters more me or God as a church who matters more that we get a bit of finance or that we do what's right and I was challenged about this and I, you know, we've, we plan, we, we, at the start of the year, we had this integrity series written into the, the diary for this time. God knew that I would be preaching to myself as well as anybody else. So whatever, whatever's your personal challenge, it affects me whether you do the right thing or not. What I do affects you. As a church, we're affected. So I just want us to just take a bit of time, and the worship team are just going to come up, and I just want us to respond to the Lord. What have we said? What are we handling that it may not be sin? You see, it wasn't sin to claim the debts. It wasn't mercy. I didn't release something. That was the issue. I was due the money. We, the church, was due the money. But we didn't exercise mercy. We didn't show grace. We didn't go enough extra steps. We went so many extra steps and we went, enough. We've been the extra mile. We've been, we've done, we've given. That's enough. And we claimed what was ours. And I had to repent because I need mercy. This church needs mercy. This city needs mercy. It doesn't need judgment. We cannot judge this city. We'll not judge any other person. So let's just stand. Let's just respond to God. And if you maybe you're not a Christian, you maybe you've been in church and you don't know the Lord the way I'm speaking, where He speaks to you personally. You believe in Jesus, but he's not your Lord. Now's the time to get right. Now's the time, so just where you are, to just speak to God. Just be honest. You don't have to have fancy words. Just, Lord, I'm, I need you. Lord, I, I want you. Jesus, I want your life. But let the rest of us, this is the worship team, just playing gently, just worship song or something. Let us respond to God. I can't tell you what to do. Jesus. Jesus. Lord, I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a man of peace. I want to be a man of honor who honors you with the fruit of my lips, with my heart, not just my mouth with my deeds, not just my words and my heart. I want every, every aspect of my life, Lord, honoring you, giving you glory. Jesus, forgive me when it's all about my righteousness. 
Forgive me when it's about my reputation. Forgive me, Father. Let your spirit descend upon us a new way. Fill us afresh. Lord, it's not enough what I know you. It's not enough what I know of you. I want more of you. Jesus. Jesus. Even when I'm right, Lord, I go about things the wrong way. Lord, I want to do things your way, your heart, your integrity. You're leading, Jesus. A gentle answer turns aside wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's Proverbs 15, verse 1. Proverbs 22, verse 24 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Father, I don't want to be a hot-tempered man. I don't want to learn those ways. You are gentle, Jesus. Slow to anger, abounding in mercy. You're my friend, my Lord, my King, the one who lives in me. And I surrender all my anger to you. I surrender my frustrations to you. I surrender my desires to you. I surrender my need for self-righteousness and recognition to you. I want you, Jesus. I want you. Thank you.